everyone who's here this morning. I kind of uh, figured that going into today we might have a little bit of a short crowd because I know that several people are on vacation, and uh, that's a good reason. I mean, at least we're not talking about serious illnesses and so forth. But this is the vacationing time of year, and a lot of people are out there. Let's remember them and uh, pray for their safety and their safe return. This morning, as we get into the lesson, we're going to continue to talk about our theme, being holy in my strength. And we're going to talk about, in particular, there we go, things a little slow this morning, but be holy in my strength. And we're going to talk about, in particular, this idea that this exasperation, really, sometimes that some of us feel, and where we might express to the Lord, I, I just keep falling. Falling, failing going backward, however you want to put it, but the idea that even though I want to be a strong Christian, and I'm really addressing people this morning that have a will to be, a want to be a strong Christian, would consider themselves many times in many ways to be strong. And uh, they want to be holy in that strength. And yet, they fall, they fail, they go back, etc., And so that, as I said, almost exasperation with yourself that I just keep falling, Lord. So I want to explore that a little bit this morning. Let me go back to a familiar picture, and I promise you that the whole quarter I won't use this picture, but it is a familiar one, and I'm establishing some points uh, that I want to develop later in the quarter. But we picture this again and again. We've talked about the fact that God is high above us, Uh, far removed from us, that many people feel that. He's high and lifted up, to quote Isaiah chapter 6, and we are down here. And we want to bridge this great gap between us and God. We want to do as God would encourage us many times in the Bible to come up to Him, to come near to Him, etc. We'll talk a lot more about that in in this afternoon's lesson uh, as we look at one of our hymns, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. We want that closer walk. We want to bridge that gap. And so this quarter, our focus is, let me be holy in my strength. I I am on my way. I'm going up the mountain, so to speak. I'm traveling. I'm walking the highway of holiness daily. There are a lot of things that I've I've succeeded in. I've uh, bettered about my life. Uh, Things are different than they were at some time in the past. You know, for me personally, I've been a Christian almost 40 years now. Um... And when I look at that, and when I think about that, 40 years is a lifetime in in many respects. It's an adult working person's lifetime of work. It's it's a big space of time. And there is a lot different than when I was that crazy teenager doing all those things that I've told you so many times about and getting in trouble and all of that. I'm, I'm a lot different from that person. In fact, as I was thinking the other night, I'm really not even that person anymore. And sometimes while that may seem strange, it doesn't. It's normal. It is my life. And yet, the truth is, even though I know I am, and I admit to myself, I'm walking the highway of holiness daily. That might have seemed strange 40 years ago to say something like that, but I am. Yet, I also know that it's a journey. And you, you may remember a couple of weeks ago, I put Lao Tzu's quote, famous quote up here, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And I do try. The older I get especially, I, I'm not that, you know, excited young Christian that, and, and, and I'm using excited in a negative sense that, 
that person that's anxious, that person that's trying to, you know, accomplish and overcome everything in the next week. I'm realistic about it. And there are steps to being holy. And there are steps to reaching God. And more and more I'm embracing that. And I am a Christian, and together with many of you, maybe all of you, we know that Christians need to get going. And they need to keep going up the mountain. They need to have that steady progression up the mountain to to being what God wants us to be, and someday to literally reaching God. Now, having said all of that, and I'm not going to belabor that point, but having said all of that, I want us to look at the idea of this gap between myself and God. Again, going back to the idea of the exasperation I sometimes feel when I make my mistakes, I keep falling, etc. And I want us to ask a question, and we'll just put a big question mark there, exactly what does my journey, and maybe I would even say, what does the typical journey up the mountain really look like? If I went back to the previous slide, is it that steady progression up the mountain? I've talked with some of you, and I know that you feel like I do, that no, that's really not the case. In reality, the lifelong journey we take to reaching God or moving up the mountain or the progression up the mountain, it resembles something more like this. And as I put this up there, I know it is a picture of my life. I wonder if it is of yours. It's not a steady progression. Oh, I start off doing well. I was baptized. I was a ball of fire. I wanted to learn everything God said in the Word. I wanted to do everything God said. I wanted to go out and teach everybody that was out there. I had a new message. It was new to me. And I wanted to share it with everybody, friends, family, etc., etc. But then life kind of hit and I veered a little bit. I wasn't quite as strong. I wasn't quite as excited. I was still moving. And I was still a Christian. But I wasn't the same person I was when I came up out of the water, when water was still dripping off of me. And then I, you know, called myself to go back the other way, to get back on track. And maybe I overshot. And that was me. And I put this arrow up here to represent the idea of I'm going to be even more fired up than the day I was when I was baptized. And I overshot it. I went so far the other way that all of the things I really wanted to accomplish, I started not accomplishing. And so I became frustrated in all of that. And I went backward. And maybe that's the picture of you. Maybe you came up out of baptism and you were that same excited individual who started veering away and maybe you went back so far, you went too far the other way and then you started going backwards. And maybe it even reached a point where you just completely went backwards. Some of us have done that. Some of us in this room can relate to the idea of completely falling off the wagon, if you will, of spirituality. Of completely giving up or giving... And it may not even show to other people. No, I didn't go out and start breaking into houses again and that kind of thing. And maybe in the, to the world, the appearance to the world, I was still doing okay. But I wasn't, is the truth. And inside, in my heart, in my mind, in my commitment, I'd gone completely backward. And so you have to call attention to that. And you have to realize, no, I'm, I started this journey. And the truth is, I really want to get up the mountain. I mean, when, when it's all said and done... Everything in life aside, I really want to go to heaven. And if you're sitting there on the pew and you're saying that to yourself, regardless of where you are, even if you've gone completely back, if you really want to go to heaven, then this is what you're going to do. You're going to turn it around. And you'll notice 
I put a slanted arrow here. Because you're not going to get it all right at once. You're not that naive, young, dripping wet Christian that believes you're going to overcome everything and be perfect next week. No, you're far more realistic about it. I'm going to have to go to work. I'm going to have to set some goals and reach them. Then I'm going to have to set some more and reach them. I'm going to have to start a process where I really start building my spirituality. And that's reality. It doesn't all happen at once. But you know, it eventually happens. And if I get to the point where I'm I'm very mature about my journey up the mountain, I'll get there. If I get to the point where I realize that this is more a picture of life, and stop being exasperated. Stop being so frustrated with myself that I give up, because that's what Satan would have me do. That I settle for far less, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, because that's what Satan would have me do. If I rather resign myself that struggle as I may, I will get there. Then I start that journey, the real journey up the mountain. I'm reminded of what Paul said in Galatians 6 and verse 9. Let us not grow weary. You know, it's a wearisome thing to walk up a mountain. I don't care how strong you are. I was watching a guy on a survival program the other night, Montel and I were. And he had to climb a mountain. Basically, he had to go about a mile almost straight up. But he was, you know, going up there to hunt uh, an animal so that he could survive. And again, it's one of these survivalist shows. I, wasn't, I was just looking at him as he walked up that mountain. It took him all day. And he was tired, worn out. And I thought to myself, that's the journey to reaching God. You do get tired. And yet God says, don't grow weary. And the word weary here is the idea of getting so tired you quit. Now, that guy didn't quit. He eventually got his hunt. He eventually survived, etc. And that's what we have to do. I have to survive the journey up the mountain. In the end, that's what's important. All of this that it may take, and it may take all of this. It may take the starting, stopping, etc., etc., but all of this that it may take, nothing is as important than where I end up. And that's what I have to learn. Now, let us not grow weary while doing good. I'm doing good if I'm still on the journey and I'm still making my way there. And that I have to accept about myself. We will reap in due season if we don't faint, if we don't lose heart, if we don't quit. The journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And sometimes, over and over and over again, I have to take that first step, the next step. Let's go a little bit deeper with this idea. You know, the humble admission that you keep falling, stumbling, quitting, starting over, etc. That humble admission, that genuine remorse you feel, and you have to feel it. That guilt. You know, you, you know you've done wrong. You've committed some grievous sin. You've gotten off track. You've been living in sin. You know that. You admit it. You feel guilty over it. That will, though, that says, no more. No more. I'm going to stop this thing. I'm going to fight this thing. Whatever it takes, I'm going to fight it. Maybe I'm not as strong as I thought I was. Maybe... I never thought I would do this thing. 
Maybe it is that I thought I would be just fired up and be a Christian all my life and never get weary and never lose heart, and it didn't work out that way. But that admission, that guilt, and that will to say, I'm not quitting. I'm going to get up and start over again. That is one of the greatest marks or marks of greatest strength that a Christian has. A righteous person knows that what it takes is to get up again. We're looking on Sunday afternoons at the Apostle Peter. Is there any greater example in the Bible than an individual who kept falling, but who kept getting up, who felt the gift? He went out and wept bitterly. Remember that story? He felt the guilt. He knew what it was to fail, but he would not quit. I can do that. I know what it's like to get beat up. I know what it's like to lose. I know what it's like to fail. I'm not one of these people that's uh, that's going to get out there and brag and say, I never made a mistake in my life. I know what it is. I know what it is to sin so terribly, you'd rather kill yourself than look in the mirror. I know those feelings. But I know in the end what it takes is, I won't quit. I'm going to make it up the mountain. It's a mark of great strength. In Philippians chapter 3, and you may want to turn over there and read this passage with me. This is Paul, and I always think about this passage in context of when it's written. Here is Paul, some 30 years or so after becoming a Christian. He is most likely around 60 years old, maybe several years older than that, but around 60 years old, and here's what he says. And I'm just going to read a little part of it, beginning in verse 12. He says, not as though I had already attained. Now, that's strange, isn't it? I mean, dude, by the time you've written Philippians, you've written over ten books, over one, you know, basically one-sixth of the Bible. You've been chosen by God to be an apostle. That's a very small, select group. You're an individual that's known all over that part of the world as being one of the greatest Christians, strongest Christians there is. If that isn't enough to make it, then what is? And yet what you have him, this humble individual saying, I ain't made it yet. I have not attained it yet. Now let's go on and notice what he says. Not as though I'd already attained, either we're already perfect. He's still working on himself. That's the point. He hasn't quit by any means. And he's not going to. But he's not made it either. He's not sitting back and saying, I'm good enough. You know? I mean, if God won't save me, he won't save anybody. There are people that feel that way. Not Paul. I'm not already perfect. But I follow after. I chase it, literally, in the original. It's a word for a... Like a law officer chasing down a criminal. I chase it. If that I may apprehend, again, a legal term, like the policeman catching the crook that's, or the criminal that's running away. That I may apprehend, grab onto, latch onto, grasp. That for which I am apprehended by Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying here? Jesus wants me. Jesus reached down and said, come on, Paul. 
And I argued with Jesus. And you can read that in the book of Acts. I said to Jesus, I'm not worthy. I did this and I've done that. And I know the truth now. But I'm, I'm just not somebody that can be saved. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yeah, you're exactly what I want, Paul. There's a fire in you that I can use. There's a no-quit attitude in you that I can use. There is a will to defend what's right that I can use. There is a strength about you, Paul. I want you. He reached down and he grabbed me, Paul said, so I'm reaching back up to him. I'm holding on, man, with everything I've got. And that's why I'm going to make it. I'm apprehending. I'm chasing it. I'm grabbing it. And notice in verse 13, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. I haven't grabbed it yet. I haven't grabbed heaven, caught heaven. It's not mine yet. I can still lose it. And you can lose it till the day you die. I don't count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, that's the hardest part to me, isn't it? Because when I start looking at myself and saying, I know I'm going to make it, I want to make it, I intend to make it, and then I start looking at what I've done and how I failed. I think to myself sometimes, man, if other people knew what I know about me, if they knew the depth I can reach, if they knew how terrible I can be, they'd be afraid of me. They wouldn't want any part of me. I'm a terrible person. And you let Satan talk to you long enough, and that's exactly the way you feel. I'll never be worth going to heaven. God will never look at me and smile on me. Never. Paul said, you know what? There comes a time to forget. Just forget it. Put it behind you. Oh, you know. I mean, you're human. You remember, of course. But you tell yourself if God has forgotten it. And he has. Which means God doesn't hold it against me. It's absolutely clear from me that I need to do the same. I need to clear myself of the crimes I've committed. I need to say the price has been paid and I need to emphasize that. And sometimes I need to go to the Bible and meditate on it. The blood of Jesus has been shed. I've done what it takes to be cleansed of what I've done. It's gone. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching for it. There it is again. I'm reaching. I'm getting up on that mountain, tired as I may be, but here we go again. One step in front of the other. I'm reaching forth into those things which are before. I press on. I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things that lie behind, I press on. In Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 16, there is a passage I love to quote. Now, admittedly, when you look at the couplet of verses there in Proverbs 24... It applies directly to one situation, and I understand that, but there's a principle there about a righteous person. And I believe the principle is general. It is true in every situation of a righteous person. A righteous man will fall. That's the nature of being a righteous person. It doesn't seem right. I mean, those, those words in themselves just do not seem right. When we talk about a righteous person, in our minds, perhaps, we think of perfection. There are no perfect people. There was only one. He's in heaven. A righteous man falls, and he falls seven times. Now, that's not a limit on, you know, on your life. It's a, it's a number that means a complete amount, a total amount. The truth is, you're going to fall. You know how many times you're going to fall in your life? You're going to fall as many times as, number one, you will. And you're going to fall, number, number two, as many times as it takes. You're going to fall. 
But he rises up again. It's not important. When I look at the journey up the mountain and I look at my life and I'm, I, and I, I'm inclined, pun intended, but I'm inclined to look at my life and say, you made too many mistakes, you're too bad, you're not going to be able to make it. You're just not getting up there. When I'm inclined to do that, I have to remember this passage and I have to remember that the important thing is not that I'm at the top of the mountain today, but that I'll stand up and put a foot in front of the other one. That's what's important. A righteous man falls seven times, but he rises up again. A wicked man simply stumbles into adversity. He's a quitter, and that's wicked to God. In fact, if, if, if there were such a thing as the greatest sin you can commit, I would say it is not murder, it's not child molestation, it's not treason, it's not a host of other things we may think of. It's quitting. Because when you quit, you don't just give up on yourself. You give up on God. And what you're saying to yourself, and we will stress this in this afternoon's lesson, what you are saying to yourself is, I can't make it because God can't help. And that's an affront to God. It would be just like any parent. If your child came to you and your child said, I give up in life because you are a lousy parent. You can't help me anymore. How would you feel? What would you think? How would you plead? How would you try to convince? What would you say to stop that child from committing not just a grievous sin, but the one that will cost them everything? God is looking at me and saying, you can make it. Because I'm not going to stop reaching down for you. My hand is out. Grab on. Get up. Take another step. And we'll make it. But I just keep falling, Lord. When I sit with someone, and this happens from time to time. When I sit with someone... And I'm not talking about the arrogant person that doesn't believe they do much wrong. I'm talking about the individual that is brokenhearted. The one that looks at himself or herself and says, I'm just so bad. I've done this or I've done that. And it's so terrible. No one could love me. And maybe I look at that person and I know them well. And I say to them, I love you. I believe what you're saying. I know what you've done. I love you. But far greater than my love for you, God loves you. No, God can't love me. God could not love somebody who could do so and so, such and such. Well, we did those things, didn't we? As a human race, there's not a single thing that can be done that we didn't do as a race of people. And God sent Jesus to die for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5, verse 6. So God loves you. I just keep falling, Lord. And you know, you can get discouraged. I mean, you can even get despondent because you keep falling. And maybe because you're not making fast enough progress. I think this happens to younger Christians especially. I just thought it would be different. You know, I, 
I, I thought I would be further along in life, maybe in every way, but certainly spiritually. I just thought I would never do the kind of things I've done. I thought I'd be running up that mountain and being a shining example to everybody else. So since I'm not, I quit. You can do that. Or maybe it is you, you just look at yourself. I'm not progressing in that straight upward line. I look around me and, and the perception I have is there's that person over there or that Christian over there. Man, I wish I were like them. They never seem to get off track. They never seem to do anything wrong. Now, you know, the truth is they do. But it's the way it seems. And my perception is that individual is everything God wants. And look at me. You know, you can do that. And you can get so despondent over that, you quit. But remember, the journey up a mountain is a process. And the Bible speaks of it. Perfecting our holiness. 2 Corinthians 7. That whole idea of being holy for I am holy in 1 Peter 1. And we'll, we'll come back to that passage again and again throughout this year. But it's a process. It's a learning something and holding on to it. A truth that you know and you really believe. Like... The Lord will never give up on me. Why give up on myself? It's learning those things, understanding those things. It's a process toward personal holiness. The great truth you have to realize as a Christian is that we don't progress in a straight line up a mountain. You ever seen anybody like watch this reality show or something like it when a guy has got to hike up, say, a, a mountain... A mile up a mountain that's almost straight up. Not quite, but almost. You know what he's going to do? He's going to take a few steps and slip. And you watch that, and it's just grueling to watch it. Two, three steps up, slide a couple back. You know? I mean, it wears you out. Just watching it. Much less doing it. And you trudge, and you trudge, and you trudge, and you get so tired, you just fall over sometimes. And lay there for a few minutes. Because you're worn out. You breathe heavy, etc., etc. And, and you know what I'm saying here. It's a process. You don't progress in a straight line up a mountain toward, you know, perfect glory. It doesn't happen that way. We ascend a mountain. We don't run up it. And we ascend it by persevering. Be not weary in well-doing. What does that mean? Stay the course. Stay on track. Stay on the mountain. If you're laying there right now, today spiritually, you're laying on the mountain and you're worn out and you're beat up and you're saying to yourself, I'm tired of fighting. I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want to spend the next 20, 30, 40, whatever number of years you think you have. I don't want to spend it like this. But you have not gotten up and walked off the mountain. You're still in the game, man. If you're looking back down below you and saying, well, you know, I've come this far, you're still in the game. If you're laying there and you're hearing the voices that say, quit, 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 but you're also hearing the voices saying, oh, you won't. Look how far I've come. Look what it's cost me to be here. And you start pushing yourself back up, raising yourself back up, getting up again after you've fallen, after you've stumbled, after you've just laid down there worn out. That's how you climb a mountain.
That's how you get there. That's how you are holy in your real strength. I keep falling, Lord. But I'm going to get up again. In Romans chapter 12, and I want you to close with me by reading this passage. We haven't read it this year. I haven't. I, don't, I can't remember Wes reading this passage, but maybe he did. But anyway, Romans chapter 12, I want you to look at verse 1. I beseech you, Paul says. I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present. You remember when we were talking last year, fulfilling my purpose, and we said this word was like the priest of laying a sacrifice on the altar, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now notice the word, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Logical. Think it through. That's what I need to do. But notice what he goes on to say, verse 2. The person said, well, I'm not holy, so I'm not an acceptable sacrifice. No, listen. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Remember the word transformation. By its very definition, it implies a lack of perfection. It means you've got to change something. It means you are not there yet. You haven't attained. You are not already perfect. That's what it means. Be transformed. And it presses upon us the need to progress. It presses upon us the need to perfect our holiness. There's something about me that needs to be completed. I'm not there yet. It presses upon me to press on. It says to me, I'm like Paul. I haven't made it. I need to go on. I need to get better. I need to work on things. I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind that I may prove. Notice that. Prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Because that's what you're doing. You see, the will of God is saying to me, Michael, get up. The will of God is saying to me, don't lay there. Don't quit. I'm reaching for you. I'll help you. Just get up. Be willing to stand up. Be willing to take the next step. It presses upon me the need to believe that. To have faith in God and in His will that says to me, what's important to me, God says, is that you are willing to transform. You won't just resign yourself to be like you are for the rest of your life. No matter how good you think you are or how bad you think you are. But you will be transformed. For I say, Paul said in verse 3, Through the grace that's given unto me, to everyone that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Notice that. According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. I want to go back to the picture. I'm laying there. I've got a decision to make. The easiest thing in the world is to turn around and slide back down the mountain and get off. I've had enough. I quit. The hardest thing is to stand up in my weakness, in my despair sometimes, And say, I believe in you, God. I see you at the top of the mountain. I'm coming home. If you'll just keep reaching for me, I'll keep walking. I don't know how I'll make it. I don't know what in the world it's going to take. We're going to find out. Because I won't quit. Paul said, that's your measure of faith, you see. 
And it may not be perfect to a lot of people. It may not be strong to a lot of people. But it's real. And as long as you keep walking up that mountain, God is with you. And you will make it. That's the promise from the Lord. If you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, you believe in it. You're willing this morning to confess your, your belief that Jesus is the Son of God, that He can do everything He says He can do. And so you repent this morning. You're willing to change, to be transformed. You're willing to, to correct the things that are wrong, whatever that takes. You're willing to do what's right, whatever that takes. You're willing to keep going. Today you'll take the first great step. You'll be baptized. You'll have your sins washed away by the blood of Christ. You'll be His disciple, His child. You want to be a Christian. You want to go to heaven. You want a life of faith in Jesus Christ. And you want a great end to this journey. Won't you please come?